I'm Peter Sherman for Jeff MacArthur. On the podcast for today, Friday, October 9th, 2020, we talk about more restrictions coming back to restaurants. The daily COVID case count at more than 900 as we head into the Thanksgiving long weekend. And September job numbers in the wake of this global pandemic. All of this coming up right now. And Peter Sherman in today, Jeff back on uh, Tuesday. Of course, Monday is Thanksgiving. And uh, I want to bring you up to date. I've got the information that we're going to hear at 2.30 officially from the Premier, but I want to give it to you uh, now rather than listen to the uh, the ongoing commentary of the uh, the medical officer of health and so forth because they, in effect, are just backgrounding what's happened. 939 cases, X number of hospitalized. But here's the, the direct effect on you, and this is effective October 10th, which is tomorrow at midnight plus one. That would be tonight at one minute after midnight. And their targeted measures, they're being implemented in Ottawa, Peel, and Toronto as a result of the higher uh, than average rates of transmission. And the measures are considered to be under a modified stage two. So we're out of stage three in this area. And what's going to happen is we're going to see a reduction of limits for all social gatherings and organized public events to a maximum of 10 people indoors, 25 people people outdoors where physical distancing can be maintained. The two limits may not be combined for an indoor-outdoor event. Prohibiting indoor food and drink service in restaurants, bars, and other food and drink establishments, including nightclubs and food court areas in malls. Closing of indoor gyms and fitness centers. That includes yoga studios and dance studios. Casinos, bingo halls, and other gaming establishments. Closed. Cinemas. Closed. Performing arts centers and venues. Closed. Spectator areas in racing venues. Venues closed. Interactive exhibits or exhibits with high risk of personal contact in museums, galleries, zoos, science centers, landmarks, and so forth closed. And uh, it, it goes on and on and drills way down. Like, for example, real estate open houses, only 10 people indoors at any given time where physical distancing can be maintained. There's an awful lot more, but obviously there's been a real turnaround. And I can tell you there was a late night uh, call with between cabinet members last night and a cabinet meeting this morning and obviously premier ford has uh, pulled the alarm bell and said look we've got to we've got to change courses here because we have to control this at 939 uh, cases okay uh, on that note we have on the line andrew oliver now andrew oliver is president and ceo of oliver and bonaccini you would know them well a great uh, number of restaurants in the toronto area and andrew i have been uh, a happy guest many times seems like i'm not going to see you for a while yeah, look, I, I will look. Hopefully, you'll you'll come and visit us uh, tomorrow on our patios because my understanding is patios should be able to stay open. It's looking like a beautiful day, but um, yeah, look, we're going to keep going with patios for as long as we can, and then and then ideally takeout. And um, look, it's obviously devastating news for the for the industry today. Yeah, I know. And I, the patios are fine when it's going to be 27 degrees tomorrow, but it drops back into the mid-teens and lower as we get into the next week or two. And, and then, of course, we're into real heavy-duty fall and, and subsequently into winter. Is there any way that people like you can put those heaters out on uh, the patios and try to extend the season uh, for outdoor dining so that people can ac- actually have a, a bit of a rest from uh, home cooking or eating the uh, pre-prepared meals that they get at Loblaws? No, no, so, so for sure, we we have added patios on on um, or added heaters on our patios. We've also started a BYOB, bring your own blanket campaign, which has worked well at a bunch of our venues. And and look again, moreover, uh, you know, instead of getting your meals at Loblaws and, and prepackaged meals there, I highly suggest if you want to support this industry, if you want an industry to reopen, 
uh, uh, next year because I, I, I firmly believe the odds are highly likely we've seen indoor dining in Toronto uh, is closed for the rest of this year um, and we'll go into next year. But please, please, please go and support your local restaurants, whomever they are, whether it be takeout or prepared meals they're doing. A whole lot of us have pivoted to doing that on, on, on grocery side. Uh, just to do whatever we can to keep as many of our our, our teams employed and, and just to, as a necessity to try and stay alive. Well, that's that's a, actually a great suggestion because I can tell you, I know it, it uh, is scaring the, the hell out of a lot of your confreres in the restaurant industry and very notably the people who haven't had the opportunity to build the outdoor patios as have you and some other ones that we know of. Uh, I, I think this uh, represents a real threat to the industry because it was bad enough uh, staying closed until a few months ago. Now uh, you've had uh, a bit of a taste of people being able to eat indoors and it's being taken away. I would have have to say from the standpoint of government for good and valid reason uh, we're going to see a real thinning out of your industry aren't we yeah look i think i think you know the Canadian chamber of commerce said even if they went back to the the, the support measures uh they had in the summer um 60 of the industry will not make it through november and i think that the odds are more than 60 percent of my industry will not survive this next closure based on the currently the current and new announced programs uh the federal government has come out with today uh, we're all sitting here on pins and needles to see if they're going to, you know, hopefully come to their senses sooner than later. You know, some su- super basic things like the the wage subsidy program, which was at 85% this summer when we had indoor dining open, we had patios open, we had takeout open. You now have it where we've been shut down again, and they're going to lower that. Again, that's going to be a 25% reduction in wage support alone at a time when patios, as you said, are going to be winding down and closing, and they've just shut us down more than likely for the rest of the summer or the rest of this year. It just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, so I'm very, very concerned that you were, you are going to start to see, uh, you know, again, it's bad enough that 30% of the industry has said they're never going to reopen again, but I think that number is going to blow through 50% by the new year. Well, that's too bad. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, so ironic because the employment figures came out today and we're, uh, we're within about 700,000 uh, across Canada in total of where we were before the whole pandemic. Now, a lot of that is because uh, people who stayed home to take care of the kids in the summer uh, have gone back to work or at least are able to work full-time from home while the kids are in school and they're not closing down the schools i might say um so to see particular industries i guess we'd have to single out uh, hospitality so travel and uh and food service be hit this hard um it, it makes us feel very bad for you it makes us feel very bad for ourselves not being able to dine with you but uh just put out the call one more time you're going to stay open for pickup and uh and takeout and so forth yeah, look, I, I, absolutely. I think those that can will do, will do their best to try and survive. We are going to continue to hopefully lobby the government to get support that will actually save at least half of our industry. I implore all of your or all of your listeners and you guys, please continue to shine a light on this and ask common sense questions of how can support be left now when our sales are going to be substantially reduced versus where they were in the summer. It is just blatant common sense. We are clearly the industry that has been the hardest hit. Us in the gyms have been absolutely decimated and gotten no industry-specific level support that we've been begging for since March, and the results speak for themselves. 30% of our industry has already closed shops. 60% said they're not going to make it until November. I don't know what more the government needs to see to, to believe that, again, when you have absolutely no revenues, but things like property taxes, which are exorbitantly high. Some of my venues have property taxes north of $50,000 a month. Just the property taxes to, to, to the city of Toronto, not $1 of that has been abated by the city of Toronto. 
I believe you, and and I'm not arguing with you because I'm sitting in the middle as a guy who talks on the radio and hosting somebody like you, telling listeners what they can expect and telling uh, people what the uh, the government uh, is imposing on us as a result of recommendations from their medical people. But uh, what can I say? My my uh, my heart bleeds for you because I like restaurants as much as anybody else, and uh, I know that it's your industry and the travel industry that have really taken it in the neck, and I wish you nothing but success. I hope we can control this quickly. Yeah, look, and fingers crossed, again, the best way to support our industry is to, one, uh, you know, call your MP and city council or an MPP and ask them for industry-specific support, and then, moreover, please continue to do takeout, do grocery delivery via restaurants, because without them, you're not going to have, uh, have those restaurants in your neighborhoods. Our neighborhoods are going to be boarded up and gutted. There you go. Andrew Oliver, thank you so much. Thanks so much. All right. That's Andrew Oliver. He is president and CEO of Oliver and Bonaccini. Uh, you know them well. I, I'm i not doing an ad for them, but I like I love the one up in Bayview Village, and there's one downtown in the Front Street area. And there are so many other restaurants. He just happens to be uh, the spokesperson because he's co-founder of SaveHospitality.ca. We had uh, one news conference off the top with uh, the medical people who don't uh, get to impose their view. They get to tell you how to interpret what you're seeing, which today is the largest number of cases ever reported in one day for Ontario at 939. And there is angst at the uh, federal level with uh, Dr. Theresa Tam and certainly uh, very much so at the provincial level with Dr. David Williams and uh, Dr. Heyer and uh a number of other people who are advisory in that capacity. And uh, just very briefly, the big deal announcement at 2.30, and there are many, many, many facets to this that you'll hear then, but uh, we're reducing social gatherings, effective tonight at midnight plus one minute, uh, organized public events, maximum of 10 people inside, 25 people outside, Physical distancing must be maintained in either case, and you can't combine the two limits. And then you're going to see the indoor parts of uh, restaurants, bars, and food and drink establishments, including nightclubs and food court areas in malls, closing. Uh, You're going to see indoor gyms and fitness centers, yoga studios, dance studios, casinos, bingo halls, cinema, performing arts, spectator areas in racing, zoos, science centers, all of that stuff closing as of midnight plus one tonight. So we're going back to uh, stage two, and this is in particular areas targeted. Toronto is uh, the mainstay. Peel is secondary. Ottawa is in there. Uh, If you're outside of those particular areas, uh, you still have stage three going for you. Uh, So if, uh, if you're in Toronto and you have to have an indoor meal, which I can't imagine, but if you do, Go drive up uh, north to York Region, and uh, you should be okay. Anyway, that's the uh, the short form. I want to bring in our next guest, who is Dr. Nadia Alam. Uh, she's been with me before. She is past president of uh, the Ontario Medical Association, a primary care doctor, faculty at the University of Toronto, and um, has commented often uh, on the state of affairs. Hello, Dr. Alam. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, great to have you back. And um, I wanted to, first of all, get your reaction as a, a, a former president of the Ontario Medical Association and certainly as a primary care doctor who works in the community about this 939 cases. And uh, aside from everything that the officials are telling us, it's just me and you. Tell me what I should make of 939 cases. Do I have to panic? Do I have to be afraid? I think we have to be concerned for sure. I don't think this is cause for panic. I think it means that we have to have greater vigilance. I understand the province has rolled out 
um, stricter measures for certain areas, taking a targeted approach. I think what I'm telling my patients and what I'm telling the average person who's trying to live their lives through a global health and economic crisis is to be careful. Do not forget the basics, right? Whether um, other countries are doing it right or wrong, do not forget the basics. Do the social distancing. Do the hand hygiene. Wear a mask to protect other people. Make sure that you keep your social bubbles tight and small. And I think that's, that last piece is what people are struggling with. A lot of my university-age uh, patients and um, and a lot of my colleagues are hearing this from their university-age patients, is that they there is a lack of concern among younger people. And they're getting together for parties. They're getting together to hang out. And, and they've got to tighten up those social bubbles because a lot of those younger people, they've got parents. They've got grandparents. And we know that with the virus, it tends to strike people with illnesses very hard. Okay, well, I've uh, I've heard from in the last 10, 20 minutes since I've, I've put out the information on what's coming at 2.30 from younger people who are saying, screw this, I don't, I, this is nonsense, I hate Premier Ford. And then uh, from older people who are saying, well, this is a good thing. And I think that what that's doing, uh, you know, in my personal case, looking at these emails, uh, is underscoring what you say. So it, it's not a question of whether you're going to get it. It's a question of whether you're going to be exposed to it, be, become a carrier, and can spread it in the community. And clearly, if we've got 939 cases, somebody's spreading it. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's still true. Most people have no idea where they caught it from, right? So, so they, they swear up and down, I wasn't around anyone sick. So we know that the spread is happening. We, we suspect that it's probably happening among people who either have very mild symptoms that they haven't even noticed, or they're happening from patients who have no symptoms, right? That asymptomatic spread, maybe they haven't had the symptoms yet to realize that they're sick and shouldn't be spreading it around. We know okay. that it's in our communities, and we've got we've to buckle down. Okay, well, let me ask you this. This is what I was going to talk to you about originally, but with all of this information coming in, I had to get your take on those aspects. But mm-hmm. we're entering Thanksgiving weekend, and one way or another, everybody is bound and determined to have Thanksgiving. Some people are going to do it, two people, and it's going to be a chicken instead of a turkey. Other people are saying, well, we'll do it large, but we'll do it outside, and we'll keep socially distanced. Uh, other people are getting together with people they consider to be in their social bubble and are comfortable with. What is your recommendation? Keep those social bubbles tight. Do not have large gatherings. Do not tempt fate. We know that our hospital, the reason, we have to go back to why we need to flatten the curve. Our hospitals, many of our hospitals are already beginning to reach critical capacity. Some have been operating over capacity already. So if someone catches COVID, They've got a decent chance of being sick and able to get over it at home. But there are some who are going to need hospitalization. There are some who are going to need ICU beds. Toronto's ICU beds are 87, 87% of Toronto's ICU beds are full, which means the sickest of the sick will, not, will soon not be able to find a bed if this keeps going at the rate it's going. 
So when I look at uh, the figures, I always look at all of the figures, and I was saying this to our listeners earlier in the program, and I don't want to give anybody any misinformation. We've got a raw number, 939. Yesterday it was 700 and change, and who knows what it'll be tomorrow. These are cases that have been found to be positive in testing, which is five times the level, 50,000 to 10,000 compared to what it was in the spring. So we're finding these cases. Um, You have to drill down and you look at hospitalizations, and yes, they're up, but Uh, What I'm seeing is ICUs marginally up, but not hugely up. You're suggesting that 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 increase is concentrated in the Toronto area, so we've got problems where other ICUs in other parts of the province might still be free. Then uh, the the rate of uh, mortality uh, is uh, fairly consistent with what it was last week or the week before. That's because I know that uh, the the medical officer of health and uh, his coterie were talking earlier in the hour about the fact that there's a lag to those other figures. So if we have 939 diagnosed cases, two weeks from now, we see what happens in hospitals and ICU. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Your read of the situation is excellent. The one thing that I would add to it, though, is don't forget, a lot of operating rooms are still trying to catch up on the surgical backlogs, which means some of those patients, after their surgery, some of them go home. Some of them have to be admitted to hospital for ongoing monitoring. Some of them have to be admitted to ICU, right? So our ICUs may be free of COVID patients. It doesn't mean that they're empty. Got it. There are other people who need ICU care. Exactly. And there are people who are coming in sick with non-COVID illnesses. People still have heart attacks. People still have strokes. People still have terrible COPD exacerbations. These are all reasons why people could end up in hospital, could end up in ICU as well. So you've got multiple streams coming in to the same location and competing for the same bed. So while you may hear of a hospital that has no COVID cases in their beds or in their ICUs, it's important to realize that what we need to keep an eye on is our capacity to be able to accommodate COVID cases as well as non-COVID cases. Got it. Dr. Nadia Alam, it's always a pleasure. Unfortunately, today it's uh, in the wake of uh, some pretty uh, difficult announcements for uh, segments. In fact, I would have to say overall for people who are living in Toronto and Peel and uh, and Ottawa. And undoubtedly, we will talk to you again. Take care and have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. And stay safe. Yeah, you too. Dr. Nadia Alam, past president, Ontario Medical Association, primary care doctor, and on the faculty of U of T. It's, it's so odd and so ironic that uh, I'm, this next topic is coming up. Uh, in, the, in the same day, almost in the same breath, as we talk about 939 new cases of COVID and they're shutting down this and shutting down that with a modified stage two in certain key areas of Ontario, which include uh, Toronto and Peel, so a major portion of the GTA, and then Ottawa as well, where uh, it's just rock and roll on the case numbers. Um, so while I tell you that, out of the left side of my mouth, the right side of my mouth tells you about 378,000 jobs being added in September across Canada. 378,000 jobs in September is even more than August, and it's about twice what we're expected uh, on the part of the economists. And it seems that a lot of this has to do with um, people going back to work more especially moms than dads Uh, and going back to work doesn't necessarily mean going to an office it means being able to work full-time from home because while there are a lot of things being closed schools are not amongst them so we've got this situation where we're 720,000
thousand jobs away from where we were in February before there was any advent of COVID-19 or any effect in Canada, which is amazing. We actually have more people employed than in the second year of the 08-09 economic recession. So we're in really good shape. Are we going to be next month and the month after with the changes that are coming up in Ontario? I don't know, but we've got somebody on the line who uh, does know things like this because it's his job to know. And that's David McDonald, Senior uh, Economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. David, good afternoon. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on always. And uh, you look at these September job numbers and you go, okay, what does this mean for the economy? What does it mean? Yeah, and so this survey was done in the second week of September. So this was when people were just going back to school. Um, and we, we saw a decent uptick uh, basically across the board in terms of uh, really gaining back some of those jobs that we've lost, gaining back some of the hours that people had lost as well. I mean, that was particularly the case in Quebec and Ontario and British Columbia. I mean, those were provinces that were really hard hit in the initial shutdowns in contrast to, say, the Atlantic provinces that just weren't really hit nearly as hard. And, you know, we're, we're across the country now pretty similar. We don't see huge divergences. I mean, it's similar in New Brunswick as it is to, uh, you know, to Ontario in terms of getting back these lost jobs. Uh, as you mentioned before, when we look at, at men or women, um, women were substantially harder hit than men at the start of, of this and that. Um, difference has continued and did continue through August, it's much smaller in September. And so, yes, women are still slightly harder hit than men in September, uh, but that gap has narrowed substantially. And so these are all, I think, generally positive pieces. I mean, I think it is worth pointing out within this data is that there is starting to be a divergence between lower and higher earners in terms of how quickly they're recovering. If you're making under $22 an hour, Um, the recovery is really stagnating. And so this month has seen some improvement since last month, but still about 15%, 15 to 20% of people uh, in that wage range uh, not seeing their jobs and their hours return. But if you're making over $22 an hour, you are close to, if not at, full recovery. So back to the situation as it existed basically in February. Okay, so, so are- let me let me ask you this. People talk in terms of these these letters that they use to describe uh, economic recovery. And, and for our listeners, uh, if you dropped down and you had a sudden rebound, it'd be a V. And if you had a slow, careful rebound, it'd be a U. And if you had a double dip, it'd be a W. Are we looking at a V-shaped recovery? For some, for some. Um, I think if you make over $22 an hour, Uh, we are seeing a a fairly consistent V-shaped recovery. Now, if you're making under $22 an hour, uh, you know, you're you're basically plateauing, uh, particularly in September. We're not seeing continued decent gains there. And so maybe that's a K recovery. Part of the economy recovers back up to its previous point. Part of the recovery, uh, you know, part of the economy does not. Well, that's the nightmare scenario. Yeah, and and so this, I think, you know, this, I think, potentially sets us, I, I mean, I... I don't know this for a fact, obviously, and, you know, the crystal ball is not as clear as it might have been in the past. But, I mean, my concern has always been that as we saw good numbers in August as well, that August and September becomes a a high watermark in a sense um, that tells us what it's going to look like in our new economy trying to live with COVID-19 for another six months or a year. Who in the long term is going to get hammered after we restart? And who's going to, you know, largely be unaffected? They'll have to work from home and so on. But, um, you know, those folks will be unaffected. And so I suspect now that we are starting to see into the future of what's going to happen 
in COVID-19 as we continue. We're not going to see the same kind of 50% of people having you know, lost their jobs in certain industries. Um, I think what's going to happen is we're going to continue to see uh, you know, big uh, reductions in employment, particularly for lower wage workers, like under $20 an hour. Um, that that's probably going to continue. And so, I mean, just the announcement just an hour ago in Ontario, shutdowns of big parts of the GTA um, and Ottawa. Of course, we've got uh, this comes on the heels of the announcement in Quebec, big closed, uh, closures of, of big cities there. And again, it's that, you know, this is food, retail, hospitality. Uh, these are all low-wage sectors, um, you know, predominantly women staffing them. And so I think what we're going to see is a, a retrenchment um, over August and September, maybe this was a bit of a honeymoon period where a lot of these businesses could stay open because they could operate outdoors and we weren't seeing the same level of spread. I, I just don't think that uh, we're going to keep seeing this continued improvement, particularly for low-wage workers as we go oh. forward. Okay, well, I think we have to end it there because of time, but um, in summary, it, it sounds Dickensian. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, <laughs> depending on the industry you're in. David, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. David McDonald, Senior Economist, Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives.